Welcome to We Are The Plan podcast. We are a circle of women creating long-term health, strength, confidence, peace, power, and connection. I'm your host, Caroline Dunn, a personal trainer, nutrition coach, and yoga teacher, and a geek obsessed with learning how to live the biggest, fullest, most joyful life, and helping you to tap into the magic within and do the same. Together, let's explore deep health, all aspects of our health, fitness, and wellness, because it's time to stop putting our health in boxes, and it's time to care about the whole beautiful, messy you. So here you'll find expert interviews, meditations, breathing, and inspiration to move towards a happier and healthier you. Let's dive in. Hello and welcome to today's episode and I'm super excited to have Casey with us today. So Casey, we're going to dive into a big old chat about nutrition. She is a holistic nutritionist who helps women get out of the diet spiral and feel their best from the inside out. And I'm really excited to connect because I feel like we click and sing from the same hymn sheet. So welcome, Casey. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Um, so we're going to do a quick check in some of the real feeling stuff. Um, one to three words that you're feeling right now. I always say it's only fair that I start first. <laughs> so I'm feeling <laughs> satisfied because I was feeling a bit overwhelmed this morning and I've got loads of stuff done around the house. So <laughs> that's feeling good. And then also a little fatigued. It's the end of a long week for me. How about you? I would say I am feeling grateful. I have been working just with some really great clients and just feeling really grateful for their success and the fact that they came to me. And I would say I'm also feeling a bit tired. <laughs> I'm very busy season uh, for work, um, have visitors and just definitely feel extended, but excited. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. So I thought we dive straight into the juicy stuff, Casey. Okay. Um, I want to know, kind of everything as in what's your story where did you start what's your journey been and how have you ended up here right now yeah well thank you for asking that question so for me kind of my journey I guess would you would say started a while ago in high school I always had like a relatively good relationship with food didn't really think much about it my mother was uh like did a lot of home cooking and we had treats at home, but nothing that really ever seemed to be restrictive or get out of control, just really balanced. However, I ended up going abroad to a trip um, my year going into my junior year of high school. And I was away in Ecuador doing a community service trip. And I noticed the other girls on the trip didn't always finish their plate. And I was like, oh, maybe I shouldn't be doing that either. And I started to notice what was around me and started to implement what I saw. And I lost weight on that trip. And I had always been a a small um, person. I was a competitive runner, so I was very active, but I came back and people really started to notice and make comments And reflecting back on this later in life, I realized how this affected me in large part because I was late to develop (laughs) as a kid. And so I never really had comments about people about my body in that way. And I liked that type of attention. And 
at that time, I also was doing really well in track and, and running, getting school record. I was doing really well with my grades. I had a really great group of friends. So it came to be that I just wanted to control every aspect of my life. And so I went down a path that was unhealthy. This continued throughout college. And eventually my body really hit a breaking point. It just really could not restrict anymore, could not go down that path. And I was incredibly frustrated. I was like, why can't I restrict in the same way? Why can't I just do what I was doing? Cause I thought it was fine. And like, I was living, I was fine. Um, but now I know it was just really my body crying out for help really needed to get proper nourishment. And my hormones were all out of balance. My, my hunger and satiety cues were totally out of whack, so to speak. So I would try to, you know, eat the way that I, I had been eating. And then at night I would feel like I would have these crazy cravings or certain times during the day. And I would feel so ashamed because I kind of got to be known as this kind of person who was really healthy, which I'm putting in quotation marks. If you're not, if you're not watching that. Um, and so I felt really shameful about my food behaviors and really kept this secretive because I didn't want, I didn't want people to know. And I thought that I would be able to change. I'd be able to go back to my old ways. And the cycle continued for a long time. I eventually gained weight to a degree that just didn't feel comfortable anymore. And really kind of hit a breaking point on that end where I realized that I couldn't just keep finding new diets. I couldn't just keep restricting and going through the same cycle. I needed to change. And it wasn't until I was able to understand intuitive eating, which I went to intuitive eating dietitian about, but then from there, that actually isn't what, like I would say really fixed me. And it was to some degree, it was really great to learn about that, but it was once I actually went to a holistic practitioner who helped me understand nutrition for my body, how I could get out of that restrictive mindset, how I can make peace with food, but also better understanding, as I said, like nutrition for my body, how I can really eat for energy and to really feel balanced. And that led me to go back to study and get my nutrition certifications and really to propel me forward with what I do with my clients, which is help them to feel like it's not, it's okay if they have weight loss goals, if they have aesthetic goals, but we need to do it from a place of health and a place of love for our body. So how can we marry the ideas of peace with food, peace with our body, understanding our hunger and fullness cues, like these amazing principles of intuitive eating, but really have it with the focus of holistic nutrition, because you deserve to understand how to properly nourish your body. Yeah. Amazing. Like I completely resonate with the idea of the bigger picture, holistic, (laughs) and then everything else fits into place around that. Now I'm just curious. So it sounded like initially you were emulating what you were seeing around you, right? Like friends. Yeah. But I guess, again, that's part of a bigger picture and diet culture, again, inverted commas, is something that we hear quite a lot about and I guess represents a bigger picture. So what is diet culture? How do you see it affecting us and our choices? And and what would you say some of its messages are? So diet culture is, are all the messages that we see all around us about what we should or shouldn't be eating and the ideas about food that have become norm that take us out of our own body. So these are so harmful because we basically are surrounded by constant images, messaging that is bringing us only further from our own body. And 
when we grow up, you know, we heard different fads, different trends, and they're always changing. So we're always chasing something else and we're chasing something else for validation. And I see this really you know, happen a lot with women because a lot of times we are taught as young women to receive validation from someone else and not actually turn inwards and be able to love ourselves. And people like probably might be hearing this like, oh, whatever. But no, when <laughs> let's like when we talk about generally speaking, obviously this is not everyone, but generally speaking, men are much more comfortable and confident speaking about their success. And we don't see that, unfortunately, as much with women. A lot of times women are told to be, you know, be fade into the background, not, you know, not brag. Like that's really negative. And as a result, we seek validation from others because we can't speak about ourselves positively in that same way because it's not seen as always a good thing to do that. And so what does that do to our self-esteem? What And we then are diet searching because we want to be able to change our body so that we get other people's approval. And also within that even deeper is when we do a diet and we feel like we do it right, we feel like we can get validation from that as well. And it's a cycle. I actually was just kind of writing a post for Instagram. How about like saying like you're addicted to dieting, right? Cause you're addicted to that rush of going, going on something and feeling successful for something and someone else basically, or some other guideline telling you, you are doing something right because diet culture has brought us completely out of our body from being able to feel good in our own body because we are doing the things that we want to do instead of getting, as I said, that external metric, that external validation. Yeah, it makes complete sense to me. Complete sense. And I think you nailed it with the words like out of your own body and that diet culture has taken our self-worth as something external instead of internal and then tried to sell it back to us <laughs> very effectively as well. Yes. And I think it's kind of incredible at what point this process starts as well so if you look at the education system and um, Mrs May might know I was a teacher for 10 years before this it's most education systems are built around achievement and performance and I think that's part of a small part of where that dissociation starts to come we stop trusting the signals our own body is telling us because we're told that we need to achieve and we need to suppress our own body's needs and not pay attention to them in the pursuit of being more, doing more. Yeah. What do you feel about that? That resonates completely. I <laughs> was talking about it later the other day and it's, you're obviously have been a teacher, so you can express that. We exactly, everything that we did was for grades from someone else to impress someone else. And obviously I'm not necessarily anti-school system, but that's, I don't know necessarily what a better way would be with that, but that's the way that we approach every aspect of our life, getting those better grades or making that team, you know, again, always relying on these external factors, these external people telling us how we should or should not perform what we did or did not do wrong. And so much of what I do with coaching is really bringing people back into their own home, their own body, so that they can use it as a tool versus having to use these external tools like point system, like calorie tracking apps, right? Like how can we be able to get back in touch with our own body, our own innate ability to, first of all, like 
recognize when we're hungry and full, but also recognize what foods are best for us. Like how we can really eat to thrive versus just, you know, eating to survive or just eating to cope emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think the education system is, it's a system, you know, it's not good. It's not bad. It just, there has to be a system for it to work large scale. But I do think it's interesting then that we live through that system. And then often, I don't know about you, but clients tend to come at a certain age point where they get to the point where they don't know who they are. They don't know what makes them happy. They just know that they're in pain (laughs) and -hmm. things need to change. Um, And so when do you think that like maybe for you or maybe for your clients, where do you see that shift? So it definitely can happen at different ages. It's more a general, I think, exposure to understanding that there can be a different way. Because a lot of people, depending on their environmental circumstances, where they grew up, who they grew up with, what their parents followed, they might think that that's just how it has to be. And I I do see the positive effects of social media. Now, they're definitely negative effects of social media, but I do see the positive effects of social media of people coming to you know pages like ours or to be able to get exposure to things that fall into their lap, you know, on that for you page or whatever it is that they may have not otherwise understood. And there definitely is a greater movement around body positivity. So when people get exposed to that and start to question and be able to see people who are living in bodies that are healthy, that they feel good in, that are not dieting, and they can see that there is another way. But for that can happen at such different ages for different people. I have women that I've worked with in their young 20s, and I have women in their late 50s that I work with. So it really depends on where people are on their journey and when they feel like they're ready for change. Yeah. And I think I'd echo that. I think I see the shift happen. I don't know. I'd, I'd turn the use the term young adults as in 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got past the point when you're in systems and you're kind of searching around for who you are and what you want to be. Um, And then I think also I see another change around kind of like perimenopause and menopause. It can be a real big destabilization for Mm -hmm. women. And I think that can be a big catalyst of, well, something has to change. And, you know, this body is changing. It's got to a bit of a a crux point. Yeah. Um, Something else you said, Casey. So you were talking about how things are starting to change online, right? And the messaging that we're seeing and, you know, you can get in contact with or just, you know, get information from people out there that perhaps you didn't have the information from before, you know, the positive influences. What's your take on actually how inclusive and how helpful some of that is right now? Because I see the narrative changing and I still think we as women are given fairly narrow range of options still (laughs) yeah no I I definitely think we have a long way to go in terms of that and the problem I see is because the answer is really individualized nutrition and it's not easy to you you can't say that on a 60 second video right um And what's a lot easier is to say, oh, you cut out all carbohydrates or you go on this cabbage soup diet, like having a one size fits all approach and then showing flash images of a before and after. Whereas 
the work that I do is so, yes, I clients see external results, but so much of it is internal. And that's not something that you can put on a flash frame and it doesn't, it doesn't have a sexy name to it. It doesn't have strict rules that everyone can just be like, oh, I'm just going to follow that. Right. So it definitely takes someone who is willing to go all in and someone who wants to learn more to be able to find that information and be able to apply it. Yeah. And I think sadly, it's that some people trying to make money off other people's fear that propagates their you must lose weight, you must lose weight as quickly as possible, and you must lose as much weight as possible that seems to keep that message going. I don't know about you, but I feel quite hopeful, though, that it's changing, and it's going to continue to change. You know, if you look at just nutrition as a science, it's so Mm -hmm. new. And, you know, for however many decades, and you see the same in sports science as well, women just weren't studied we literally were not there and were not included in studies. So I'm really hopeful now that that's going to start to filter through a little bit more. What's your take? Um, Absolutely. I was talking about this also the other day. (laughs) So many synergies here, but how I believe the statistic is 70% of, at least this is in the US, of medical research studies are performed on men and predominantly white men. So what does that mean for us when they create doses? Basically, they create medications and toss them on these men and then use them to then create women's dosages and they just do less of that. We aren't just small men. (laughs) There's a lot more nuance there. And also let's not, it's not just about the, the efficacy of the actual medication or the study, right? But what, what are the long, long-term side effects? Like what is the mental side effects? So obviously that's specifically to medical research in that way, but it's a general theme, <laughs> how so much of the focus has been on men and men's bodies. And again, talking, going back to what we talked about in the very beginning, like women also though, aren't, have not been as socialized to be the ones to then speak up. Right. And it's, you know, it's a perpetuating cycle there, unfortunately. Yeah. I don't know if you've dived into this bit, but one example that's springing to mind for me is like fasting and intermittent fasting. And the real, yes. (laughs) So my understanding is that like all of the headlines that you see, and they're quite well known now, like there's a lot of curiosity around fasting. And I took a deep dive into the literature a few years ago, and I could not believe actually the like the headlines are amazing, but those headlines come from studies on men. Absolutely. Absolutely. You and I are speaking the same language. Women should not be intermittent fasting. And that's something, one of the things, lovely strategies that I implemented for many years that was killing my hormones. And I face severe hormonal repercussions. There's still things that I have to work through. I'm generally very healthy, but there's still things because of the years of turmoil that I put on my body that I have to work on still hormonally in terms of hormonal support, but the cortisol spike that we induce on our body when we, we have a fasted state. And then on top of that, we decide not to eat our cortisol is already as high since this morning. We're just doing everything to make our bodies not feel safe. And men, they have their hormones on a 24 hour cycle. We have our hormones on a you know 28 to 35 day cycle 
And there are though some studies that people postmenopausal, there are some types of techniques that can be introduced that you wouldn't do with women of childbearing years. But for the most part though, as you said, with, with intermittent fasting, people be like, well, I'm not eating this. And then not to mention just like the actual damage on our body, but also so often what I see and what the research shows too, is that yes, there can be benefits to people who really do stick to fasting who are men, but also the correlation between people who have skipped their first meal of the day and then overeat late at night and overeat to the point of way more than they would have had for their first meal of the day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think when I first dived into the literature, I was so blown away. I was like, okay, no intermittent fasting for women. And then I, you know, as we change and we evolve and we get a little bit less black and white, um, I would say completely agree with you, but I'd never now say never intermittent fast, because again, that's putting me as the expert and what we want is for everyone, you to be the expert in your own body approaches caution. And my first question would be, what's your goal? what's your goal because if the goal is weight loss then intermittent fasting is not the method (laughs) yeah it's it's something for longevity if you're interested in longevity right um but if it's for weight loss then intermittent fasting the two just do not marry um so I like asking the question like what's the goal because then that kind of you know excludes some of the ways to get there Mm -hmm. and it's very easy, kind of going back to what we were talking before, it's very easy to look at the headline and think something, you see this crazy weight loss, but at what cost, right? And we want short, quick fixes. We prioritize short-term gratification over long-term success, almost always. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to really reflect and see how we want to really live our lives versus just have that short-term gratification. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd say for the fasting curious who are listening, um, again, what is your goal? But secondly, if then you do want to try, I just say, be cautious, slowly does it and see how your body feels. Listen to it. Now I did want to circle back Casey, just like fear of direction here because you mentioned emotions and in the bigger picture, when we look at food and nutrition, you can't get away from the emotional tie and it's so kind of much less what you eat and but the behavioral and the emotional side of it so what would you say some of the main ways you see as food tied into our emotions oh honestly too many ways to count (laughs) so uh, the way that we have been taught growing up is to use food as a coping mechanism, whether we are happy or whether we are sad. You go to the doctor, you get a shot, you get a lollipop, it's a reward, right? But also we watch the movies of the rom-coms where they get broken up with and they have the pints of ice cream right after. And so it's not to say that we can't use food to some degree to cope in certain specific situations, but we can't have that be our only coping mechanism. And we also need to focus on how I say the 10, 10, 10 rule, like how will we feel in 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 days, 10 years, 10 months after this food decision. So if we are 
enjoying going out to ice cream with our friends. Like I will feel good in 10 minutes and 10 hours and 10 days knowing that I was able to enjoy that moment with others. Or even if I have some, a little bit of ice cream or, you know, a bowl of ice cream after dinner, because I want it and it tastes good. I can feel good about that versus being sad and eating by myself a pint of ice cream and feeling shameful. Right. So some people will say, well, if I'm just thinking about my after, then it's only going to be the most balanced, the most healthy choices. No, because because emotions can play a role in a positive way with food as well. But so often we just take the low-hanging fruit of how we cope with our emotions. And the easiest thing to do is to get that dopamine rush from our food versus actually working through our emotions because that stuff is a lot harder. And so you're basically with your food, like think about it, you are eating your emotions and you're suppressing them down and you're putting them into your stomach. You are not actually resolving what you need to resolve and it's dangerous it's really dangerous i'm not just talking from a food perspective but it's dangerous to not address your emotions and not to be taught the proper skills to feel what you should feel and to work through those feelings so it could be in a wide range a lot of times i'll see though so that People who are particularly craving sweet foods or are craving sweetness in other areas of their life. So I'll work with women to figure out how they can create that sweetness and that balance in other areas of life again, so that food isn't the only thing that's bringing them joy in their life. Because if you're having a stress, you wake up, you're stressed with the kids or with whatever you have to do, you have your work, you have, you are doing everything for everyone else, but yourself then yeah, you're not giving yourself any other opportunity to enjoy yourself other than eating. So we need to create things other than that. And people are like, well, I don't have two hours to do a self-care routine. Well, I didn't have to take that. But how on your ride home from work can you call someone who actually lifts you up? Like, how can you be able to take that walk and listen to music versus only listening to self-care podcasts? I mean, self-care probably grace, but sometimes people think that we always need to be learning. We always, like, because we have this constant stim- stimuli, but you deserve to take time for yourself, take that bubble bath, do that meditation, do that journaling. And you hear about it all the time, probably people can roll their eyes, but it's true. It's, and I did too. I, I, did, I didn't meditate, I didn't journal. And that's something that I have to do now every day. So I can process those emotions so they don't fester to the point where I get to that breaking point. Yeah. And I think, as you say, finding the joy and the satisfaction in your life elsewhere isn't can't be underestimated I remember seeing one of your posts Casey and if it's all right we'll go there where you were talking about um basically antics in the bedroom yes yeah (laughs) and how it's you know we're sexual beings most of us and that is a source of pleasure and joy and satisfaction and if that's not happening then donuts or Mm -hmm. wine might fill it fill its place Mm -hmm. yeah Absolutely. How often do you see this? I see this so often. It's actually, it's cyclical. So women don't feel good about their bodies. And so they don't have the same type of pleasure with their partner. And again, you don't need to have a partner. You also, even with yourself, you don't feel like you're deserving of that pleasure. And then you feel bad. You're not getting, I mean, let's be honest, like what we, what we get from that. Right. And so you, you might want to fill that void. Otherwise it's obviously not just with that type of relationship. It's with so many other aspects of her life. But when women come to me and they tell me that they, you know, live with their partner and that they 
do are not active, <laughs> you know, in that way at all. Like that, that's a real indicator to me of what, how they feel about their body and their relationship overall. And while that is not my main focus as a nutritionist, it definitely is an indicator. And so we want to be able to feel more confident in our own bodies. And when we are able to feel confident in our bodies, that has so much of a positive relationship, excuse me, effect on our relationships. And we think, and I was talking about this the other day too, how we think that, okay, if I diet more, if I lose more weight, then that is going to be what's going to make me feel better. And my, know my relationship with, with my husband is when we started, when we were dating, I know that I always felt like I needed to diet more. I needed to be a smaller body. And it wasn't until I was able to make better peace with food. And it wasn't actually a certain weight or a number on the scale. It was just feeling more confident in my choices and therefore more positively affected our relationship and our love. And I see this time and time again, you think that food is the problem, but it's your mindset that really is what you need to address. But that seems a lot more difficult than going on a one week water fast or, I mean, that's, you know what I mean? We, again, we're focusing on the short term. We always think that food is the problem. I just need another diet versus really digging deeper because that stuff isn't always easy. And that's why you may need guidance to do so. Yeah. So let's, let's talk about some of the ways and practices we can actually start to unpick this and how we might improve our relationship to food. Um, what would you say to someone who's listening, who's starting thinking, yeah, I I'm listening to this. I can see the connections. I want to do something. What do I do? Yeah. So it really depends where someone is on in their journey. I do think reaching out for help can help with guidance and kind of get you there faster, but that's not necessarily where people are in that moment. So one thing I would say for sure is to edit your boundaries and think about the time and the people that you spend with that wasn't said right <laughs> so who you're spending your most amount of time with because if you have all of your time being spent with people who are constantly dieting or constantly spewing different diet culture rhetoric you need to remove yourself from that um i would say that if you're interested in intuitive eating the intuitive eating book is great again my approach is kind of beyond intuitive eating because I really find that there's a lot of benefits. You really understand nutrition first, whereas the last principle of intuitive eating is gentle nutrition. However, I do think it's a great book for people to read, to understand the things that are going on in their body. I know when I read that years ago, I was like, oh my gosh, this is me, me, me when I read that. So it can be really helpful for people to see what resonates and therefore it can be a very good tool to see where to start from. What things are you utilizing in your everyday that may actually be detrimental to your health journey. And again, then kind of on the other end, really just surrounding yourself with positive people, with people you look up to. That's also including on your social media, making sure that you remove people that do not make you feel good, that are talking about non-scientific things about weight loss and dieting. And it's, it's hard to say like, oh, follow this plan. Cause that's exactly what we're saying here is not to do that. It's not a specific plan. You, it's about really finding uniquely what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. I completely echo that. And so to kind of turn the spotlight on you <laughs> to finish off Casey. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'm going to do a few rapid fire questions with you, if that's okay. Oh, love it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So like one word, one sentence, um, 
if you could go back to your 18 year old self what one piece of advice would you give her um say the the greatest validation is the validation you can give yourself yeah oh that's a good one oh <laughs> <laughs> yes I practiced that this summer where rather than seeking the praise from someone else I'd give it to myself first I'd be like good job Caroline <laughs> yeah I love that yeah and everywhere okay so from that point so from 18 year old 18 years old what's the biggest thing tool experience that has helped you change since then and this can be outside of food outside of what we've been talking about today kind of mm-hmm. a catalyst for change since then say moving to California I'm from the east coast from Connecticut um not a very well-known state it's near New York <laughs> um for our international listeners so I never been to San Francisco my entire life. And I just decided I was going to move there and moving there really was a catalyst for so much change in my life, surrounding myself with different types of people, putting me out of my comfort zone. So I would say that was definitely a pivotal moment for me. Yeah. And so let's now think about current day. Um, Some of your favorite current practices and habits for taking care of yourself. Ooh, I love this. So I would say play, like getting enjoyment and play. And I have a trampoline, like a mini trampoline in my office. (laughs) And um, that's just one way that I'm able to implement it between calls. My husband thinks I'm kind of ridiculous, but it is fun. Um, I would say that. And because kind of working with that inner child and that we were taught to suppress for, for so long. And that's a way that we can get enjoyment and being silly. And we think that we have to be so professional all the time in order to be seen as successful women. And we can be, we can be both. And that's, what's amazing. We should be genuinely ourselves. And then I would say the other thing would be breathing practices. I love meditation, but nothing. And I, I do meditation daily, but when I, especially in times when I'm feeling more anxious, feeling more stressed, really grinding myself and breathing one that I'll send to a lot of people is the Iceman breathing. Yeah. It's a really, really great one that you can look up on YouTube and be able to follow along too. Yeah. And actually I have an episode on that as well. So look up to oh. my breathing. Yeah. Oh, amazing. I love that. <laughs> I love that you do that. Like play. That is fantastic. Um, similar to you, mine's dance at the moment, but not mm. like learn a routine, but just let my body move to music kind of dance yeah and let it be silly and okay and yeah that is amazing and what are you feeling inspired by or is lighting you up right now any area of your life what am I feeling inspired by well I just moved um not too far from San Francisco I moved to Berkeley but just being inspired by the people around me and the new places the new restaurants the new farmers markets I get to go to. <laughs> um, so I feel like whenever you go to a new place, you're able to understand more things about yourself because you're in different elements. And so you are able to pay better attention to how you react to certain things and what may be triggering to you or what may be really exciting to you. And that process can allow you to learn a lot about yourself. So good. So true. So that again, going to new places, you're learning new things, different experiences, help you learn more about you. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> and that leads a really nice one to this. And so what are you currently working on for yourself? What's a bit of a challenge right now remains a challenge. Yeah. So my business has grown pretty quickly and it's so exciting. And I love that my business growth means the more women I'm able to help, but that also poses challenges because my business is me, <laughs> right? And it's me putting my face on Instagram every day. It's me making content. It's me working with women. And I am very much a feeler. I'm very like I'm an empath. And so when women are going through challenges, that's something that I will take on that energy. And that's partly what makes me a great coach and um to help these women, but I also need to work on making sure that I have my, as we talked about before, having those same self-care practices so that I can also be the best me as well as being able to help them through their challenges. Yeah. Boundaries for you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then finally, Casey, like this has been amazing. <laughs> We've touched on things that I never even thought would come up, um, which has been incredible. And um, so if anyone is wanting to find out more about you, where can listeners find you online? How can they connect with you? Okay. So my Instagram handle is your case, like C-A-S-E, like my name, Casey, without the Y. I had a friend the other day who was like, I didn't realize that that was the shortening for that. I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it's your, your case for wellness, all one word. I'm on Instagram is my main platform, but you can also find my links there for everything in terms of my programs. I'm also like on TikTok, but really trying to navigate that. Yeah. <laughs> but I would say Instagram is honestly the best way to find me and you can find all of my links there and I'm sure I'll provide them also for the show notes. Yes. Head to the show notes. We will definitely link those in and we'll try and link that book as well that you mentioned, The Intuitive Eating. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That'd be perfect. Thank you so much for joining us, Casey. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a great conversation and really always so wonderful to talk to someone else who has the same values in this space. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please subscribe and rate the podcast and share this episode with a friend to grow our circle. Plus, stay in touch with me by subscribing to my mailing list, where you'll get your free seven-day getting started plan, as well as weekly thoughts, updates, and chats. I love doing this with you and sharing the struggles, laughs, and wins along the way. So thank you so much for being here. And until next time, remember, we are the plan. <laughs>